1: The following program is sponsored Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy shows how to keep calm and carry on.
2: You look around you and you see terrorism and you see turmoil. You see your own nation in reverse. So until Jesus exalts itself, what are you going to do? You're going to live in a state of panic? No, keep calm and carry on with a peace that passes all understanding.
1: offers us a choice. We can focus on our troubles and be defeated, or we can focus on our savior and receive his all-surpassing peace and victory. That's our subject today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCorsi. The headlines can be frightening, even our homes can be full of troubling news, but today we're studying Psalm 46 to discover the ultimate source of security. It's the conclusion to our Maximum Security series and it's all available online at ktt.org. Now, here's Philip
2: Well, why don't you take your Bible and turn to Psalm 46. Psalm 46, and we're wrapping up our series, Maximum Security. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, and the God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Psalm 46 is such a pressing and helpful passage for us to come to because its message is one of be still. Don't fear. Give whatever situation you're going through into God's hands. There's three things we're going to see. And that is verses 1 to 3, what I'm calling the refuge. Verses 4 to 7, the river. Verses 8 to 11, the rest. And in verses 1 to 3, we see the refuge. The images there of earthquakes and storms. This is a metaphor for national peril. Sennacherib is at the gate. Hundreds of thousands of Assyrian soldiers are bloodthirsty, and the people are beside themselves, panic, fear, anxiety. And so in the midst of this, God proves himself to be a refuge. In the midst of the upset and the upheaval, they find a safe place. They find a refuge. They find a mighty fortress for the people of God. And it was God himself. See, back then, there were cities and walls. And when something threatened the people who were out in the village... Out in the fields, as soon as they heard about a threat, what did they all do? They ran into the castle. And the writer's taking that image and saying, Look, we were locked up behind the walls of Jerusalem, but our trust wasn't in brick and mortar, our trust was in Jehovah. We made the allusion to the fact in verse 5 of Psalm 46 that God indeed helped them at the break of day. The threat came. The letter arrived in Hezekiah's lap. He goes into the temple. He spreads the matter before the Lord. He is still. He trusts God to defend the people of God, to be good to the covenant he made. And during the night, God slays 185,000 Assyrians. He sends the rest of them home packing to Nineveh, never to come back. And the people of God get up at the break of day. He's a timeless help and a timely help. I like that because it reminds me, you know what, maybe it isn't tomorrow morning, but you can get up some morning and God will have sorted it all out. The question is, are you going to trust him in the meantime? The question is, will you be still in the belief that he is God? I love Proverbs 18 verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower into which the righteous run and are safe. See, God's our refuge. An ever-present help in time of trouble, so don't fear when the oceans swell and the mountains shake. That's the refuge. What about the river? This is the next natural break in the psalm, verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her like a river. He is. She shall not be moved. He'll help her while the nations rage. And while the kingdoms are moved, he'll utter his voice and the earth will melt. What a contrast, folks. In verses 1 through 3, you've got the image of raging waters and foaming oceans, the image of the storm. And that rattles you, puts you on the edge of your nerves, makes you uneasy. So on the one hand, the text contrasts this image of raging water with a river that quietly flows in the midst of the city. And this river, I take it to be an image of God himself in the midst of his people, refreshing them, supplying their need. So there are waters that rattle the people of God, make them nervous, and there are waters that refresh the people of God. Now, I think there is an historical background to this. Can we identify streams in the midst of the city of God, in the midst of Jerusalem? We can. Now, the interesting thing is about Jerusalem, it has no natural water source. It's not built by a river like much of the ancient cities. But all the city of Jerusalem had was the springs of Gihon outside the city walls, which if the enemy got their hands on, they could basically cut off the water source. They'd have to surrender out of thirst. They'd be starved out all of that. Now, King Hezekiah, if you read 2 Samuel 5, verse 8, he realizes this, and so he builds a tunnel. He sends the water underground through an aqueduct or through a tunnel, and the water came into the city. The people had a water source during the besieging of the city. That's the historical background. But the writer here goes, hey, that's just an image of God's goodness ever-flowing, always supplying what they need. There is a river. You could say, well, is he talking about Hazekiah's tunnel? Yes, but no. The river in mind here is God himself. Rivers bring life. And this river, God's presence, God's provision among his people brings joy and peace and life and love. There are rivers of delight his people can draw upon in the midst of all that they are going through. Folks, keep that in mind when life seeks to starve you of hope, tries to rob you of your peace. You remember that you have a refuge in God and you have a river in God. And He wants to supply you His grace. You know I've gone to John 1, 16 on several occasions. I love it where we read of the Lord Jesus, of his fullness we have received grace for grace. The little preposition there, for, means instead of. Grace instead of grace, or grace in the place of grace. God's grace is not stagnant. It's ever new. It's hour by hour, year by year, through Christ. In fact, if you study the God of all grace, as he's described in 1 Peter 5, verse 10, you'll see that the Christian life begins with saving grace, Ephesians 2, which ushers in to serving grace, 1 Corinthians 15, which allows us sacrificing grace, 2 Corinthians 8, which is replaced by suffering grace, 2 Corinthians 12, which is indeed replaced by singing grace, Colossians 3, which itself is replaced by speaking grace, Colossians 4 which then is replaced by strengthening grace, 2 Timothy 2, which in itself is replaced by schooling grace, Titus 2. It's all kinds of grace available to us. Saving grace, serving grace, suffering grace, sacrificing grace, singing grace. One type of grace being replaced by another type of grace, hour by hour, day by day. God's your refuge a never-present help. New every morning are his mercies, and great is his faithfulness. I've told you the story on several occasions. I think of the day that we became newly minted citizens of the United States and proud of it. And after we left the Staples Center in Los Angeles, along with 3,000 other newly minted citizens, we were in the car home, and we were excited we were talking about, you know, the joy of being a citizen of this great country. And, you know, I said, girls, what makes America great? And we started, or I did at least initially, started rolling some things out. Got the ball rolling and, you know, and and we talked about, hey, you know, Ireland's history is tied to America's history and how the Scots-Irish, the early Protestant Presbyterians that came, formed and shaped the thinking of the founding fathers. And so I said, girls, you know, our history is tied to this country's history. We talked about the freedom that American soldiers have brought all across the world. We talked about America's love for Israel among the nations of the world. We talked about the freedoms that are enshrined in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and how America has become a wonderful safe haven for the gospel. You know, So I was waxing eloquent, to be honest about it. They were all listening, probably going, Dad, I mean, what have you left us to say? But out of the back seat, our youngest, Beth, pipes up "Dad, I'll tell you what I love about America. She says, free refills. That's what I love about America. (laughs) Talk about going from the sublime to the ridiculous. Free refills. We're in the land of, you know, milk and honey here in the United States. And we go into the 7-Eleven and get ourselves a gulp for a buck. What's not good about that? What about the free refills of God's grace? God is a river. The streams we're off make glad the city of God. Gulps of saving grace and serving grace and supplying grace and singing grace so that we are able in the midst of all that falls around us and challenges us to get to our knees and surrender. We don't need to because we've got a refuge and we've got a river and finally... We've got a rest. This is the third natural break. Come behold the works of the Lord, verse 8, who has made desolations in the earth, who makes wars deceased at the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. Folks, we tend to misunderstand verse 10. We tend to personalize it, and we'll get to that in a moment and be done. But its primary understanding is a call to the nations to surrender. This is God speaking to the nations. This section, you have an invitation to behold, and you have an invitation to buy. Because in this last stanza, we're moving beyond the immediate political and military situation. 701 BC, Jerusalem, Sennacherib, the Judeans, and the Assyrians. And God has made an end of the Assyrians, right? 185,000 of them wiped out. Everybody wakes up in the morning and realizes the fix is in. Sennacherib heads back to Nineveh, never to come back. And the people of God waken up and celebrate, God's our refuge, and God's our river, and God's our rest. And the psalmist takes this immediate context. He takes this historic context. Description of a divine deliverance where God brought peace in the midst of war, where God rendered justice in the midst of wickedness. And he is saying that what you see throughout history, you will see with speeds at the end of history. When God will exalt himself among the nations. We're invited here. Hey, turn back the pages of history, you know. Behold the works of the Lord. Read the story of the Exodus. Read the story of the wilderness. Read the conquest of Canaan. Read about the monarchy and the times of the judges and see how God came again and again and again and delivered His people. Behold the works of the Lord. Within history, He has indeed broken the bow. He has broken the spear across His knee into two. He has burned the chariots in fire. He has destroyed the implements of war. And we are then catapulted forward to consider the day in which God will exalt himself in the nations. And folks, that's the book of Revelation. That's the second coming of Jesus. That's Jesus speaking his words, and his words are like two-edged sword in Revelation 19, where he will rule with a rod of iron, and he will smash the nations to smithereens. It's either kiss the sun or be damned. Psalm 2. That's what's in mind here. When Jesus Christ will forcibly bring the nations to heal and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord, He will be exalted among the nations. And so here's God's command and invitation to the nations of the world. Be still and know that I'm God. You really want to fight me? Have you not read enough history? You need to study prophecy. Your arms are too short to box with me. This is your day when you get to rebel and raise your fist into the face of heaven. But my son has come. He has made peace. There's a peace agreement on the table. It's called Calvary. It's called the cross. And if you'll trust my son through his blood, you can be forgiven. And you'll be no longer my enemy. You'll be my son. But you know what? There'll come a point where enough's enough. And the peace agreement will be withdrawn in it's war. And at that moment, I'll exalt myself among the nations. And you don't want to be on the wrong side. So be still and know that I'm God. The word be still in the Hebrew is put down your arms. It talks about drooping arms. And that's a challenge to a world that's in rebellion. But as we close, it's not the primary meaning, but it's certainly a reasonable application. We can personalize it. God's saying to us, amidst the nations, His people, the holy nation, the church, you need to be still. You look around you and you see terrorism and you see turmoil. You see your own nation in reverse. America is increasingly becoming a nation that forgets God. And we realize in the book of Psalms, nations that forget God go to hell. It's disturbing what we see. No matter where we look, so until Jesus exalts itself, what are you going to do? Are you going to live in a state of panic? No, keep calm and carry on. Because God's your refuge and God's your river and God's your rest. And someday that rest will become manifest in the millennial kingdom and the new heaven and the new earth. But in the meantime, the God who's able to bring everlasting peace can give you some of it that will allow you to live at peace with a peace that passes all understanding. Philippians 4, 6-8. to 8. So in the broad view, the text rebukes an unbelieving world. In the narrow view, the text rebukes the restless heart and anxious soul of the Christian. Keep calm and carry on. I, I came across this insight from Warren Wiersbe I found very helpful. Whenever we become impatient with the Father and get in a hurry, we must remember three orders given in the Bible Stand still Exodus fourteen thirteen. Sit still Ruth three eighteen and be still Psalm forty six verse ten. If we stand still, God can go before us and prepare the way as He did for Israel when they crossed the Red Sea. If we sit still, God can work for us and accomplish His perfect will as He did for Ruth. If we'll be still, the Lord will be our refuge and strength in times of trouble, and everything will work out for our good and for His glory. That's a good word to finish this sermon and this series on. Stand still. Sit still. Be still. Cory Ten Boom went through the Holocaust, having housed Jews in her home, the Nazis put her. She came out of that and became a tramp for God, traveled the world telling the story that there is no pit so dark and so deep that he is not deeper still. And one of her favorite little statements were, don't wrestle, just nestle. Hasn't she got a right to say that to us? I mean, whatever you're going through and I'm going through, I am guess it doesn't match the story of Corrie Ten Boom, and the saints of God, from the people of the city of Jerusalem to Martin Luther, come sing Psalm 46 to Corrie Ten Boom. Don't wrestle. Just nestle. He's your refuge. He's an ever-present help. His grace comes in streams, effervescent and incessant. He's your rest. So you just be still. You let God deal with all of that and you show a peace in this world that has no peace that tells them of a greater peace that's coming. Let's pray. Lord, we want to hear the challenge of Martin Luther to his friends. It's the challenge to us. Come sing Psalm 46. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never feeling. Oh well, God, help us to take refuge in your names in the promise of who you are and what you've done in Jesus Christ. Help us to run there, help us to meditate there, help us to fixate there so that we might indeed enjoy safety. We well, thank you we haven't exhausted your grace. Whatever tomorrow brings, you'll bring grace sufficient to meet it. So, O God, we pray that we may not work ourselves up into a tizzy, fearful and frenzied. Help us indeed to hide this word in our heart that we may not sin against you. For God is our refuge, God is our strength, and God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And this we pray in his name. Amen.
1: Amen. You're listening to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy, and that's the closing message in our series titled Maximum Security. If you missed any of the previous broadcasts, go online to listen for free. Our web address is ktt.org. We're able to deliver these faith building messages because of listeners like you who give to the ministry of Know the Truth all through the year, but especially in December. Now, Let's catch up with Philip to hear more.
2: Hi, Wayne. You know, I'm more than glad to take this moment just to talk to our listeners about the the practical reality of our ministry at the end of the year. Uh, We are a listener-supported ministry. We're a nonprofit, and we need both the prayers and the giving of our listeners um, to keep this ministry moving forward. Uh, We're always involved in planning and production and the delivery of these programs. It, It involves several people and paid staff within our office, and working with other agencies and ministries we've got our time to pay for. And that all mounts up. And so I'd love to appeal to you as we come to the end of 2018. Would you consider coming alongside us? Uh, Maybe you've benefited from our ministry. You like what you hear. I think there's always the danger. I find this in, in ministry itself, in church life, that everybody thinks somebody's doing it when nobody's doing it. It's often down to that faithful few. And really, we need more of our listeners to step up, to help us end 2018 in a strong financial position so we can turn around and embrace 2019 with all its opportunities. We want to stay in your market. We want to stay in your city. We want to continue to speak into your life. And so as our ministry goes forward and as the gospel goes out, would you consider in the middle of all the busyness of these holidays to take a moment, write us a check, Make an year of end gift today. It would be a blessing to us as we seek to be a blessing to you. Contact us at ktt.org. And allow me to
1: follow up on that by saying that you can also donate by phone at 888-644-8811 or send your check in the mail to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. In gratitude for your generous year end donation, We'll send you the Know the Truth journal. This handsome new resource gives you a place to record your notes and prayers as you study God's Word with us on Know the Truth. Ask for the KTT journal when you donate online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. Again, that's 888-644-8811. We love hearing from our listeners. And if you've never contacted us before, we'll also send you a free CD message called Peace on Earth. Request this Christmas CD sermon when you go online to ktt.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd wishing you a wonderful weekend, and be sure to join us next time for more clear and convicting Bible teaching from Philip DeCourcy, Monday on Know the Truth. consider your year-end giving, please remember the radio ministries that you hear on WAVA that build your faith in Jesus throughout the year. The radio ministries on WAVA need your year-end donations to stay strong all year long. We've made it easy for you to donate by providing a complete list of the radio ministries and links to their websites. Simply go to WAVA.com and scroll through the ministry names and donate to the ones that feed your soul. The list of ministries is available now at WAVA.com keyword give.
2: In a world that can sometimes seem very superficial and cold and leave you longing for something much deeper, we've had the great privilege of going deep and sharing in the in-depth Bible teachings of Pastors Leroy and Rita Thompson of the radio program Going Deep on 105.1 FM WAVA. And now we are pleased to announce that we will continue here this anointed teaching on AM 780 WAVA. So please join us each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on AM 780 WAVA. That's Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on AM 780 WAVA for Going Deep.